The OTL podcast is brought to you in association with STEM Recruitment Solutions. If you need help in recruiting for science, technology, engineering and maths, visit stemrecsolutions.co.uk to find out more. Welcome back to the OTL podcast. Uh, I am delighted to have two panellists with me tonight. Sean, I think you were on last time around, Sean Smith. Welcome back. How are you? Thanks, Colin. I'm, I'm good, thank you. Um, I think this is might be the first time I've been without Colin Campbell, so hopefully this new partnership will go all right. I said the Anton deck of the OTL podcast has been broken up, so taking Colin's place then as your, uh, your partner in crime tonight. Uh, and we've not had you on for ages but one of the the founding members of the OTO podcast panel Alan Porteous Alan how are you oh good I'm fine I'm, I'm I'm sitting here in my in my dining room having been hybrid working now for almost three years and it, it's just a pigsty I mean I'm living in a <laughs> it's like an Aladdin's cave I'm looking about me thinking I'm appalled I need to move house it's so bad but uh, you can't see it from behind me, but it's, it's pretty bad. But but lots of lots have happened since I think it was on last. So lots of things to talk about and moan about and speculate about. So looking yeah. forward to it. Right, well, let's split it. We'll go on the park first, and then off the park stuff, which uh, there's been <laughs> there's been a bit about on on Facebook, etc. So since we last had a podcast, Adrian lost to Aloha. FC Edinburgh as they were at the time, uh, drew with Queen of the South and then won against Montrose and Clyde. So Alan, Alan we've not had you on for a while. Uh, contrary to how we like to paint you on here, I'd say you've probably been the most optimistic person uh, throughout that kind of bad run <laughs> that we were on. I, I genuinely uh, had faith in things are likely to turn around, happy with a lot of what you were seeing. So I talk, we've not spoken to you for ages. How are you viewing things this season, that kind of last run of a month or so that I've just spoken about. Have we turned it around or has it been easier games? Um I don't think it's been I don't think it's necessarily been easier games because you know the first the first few games I thought we played quite well and we, we did the hard part quite well and then we were sitting waiting for easier games coming along that we'd see ourselves consolidate ourselves as top of the league. And those easier games ended up being quite awkward and horrible and we didn't take much from them. So you know I I, I think you're saying I was being a little bit more positive. I, I kind of agree because I think I was looking more at the, a lot of the performances rather than the results. And I mean, it's a funny old game football, isn't it? I mean, I thought Saturday against Clyde, we've played far, far better and lost. Um, and I think my uh, my my observations, I think, were that would, you know, there were there were maybe two or three games that I felt we played pretty badly in. Um, Kelty away comes springs to mind. That was pretty poor. The first game that we're going to talk about here was Aloha away was pretty poor as well. Um, but looking at the other games, you know, you, Edinburgh away wasn't a good result, but there was a big chunk in the middle of the game that we played pretty well, and we should have gone on and won that game if the goalie hadn't thrown the ball in the net. Um, Queen of the South at home. We go down to ten men, and and with but a, you know, a couple of long range efforts that maybe the goalkeeper can do better with, and suddenly we're fighting against it. But the performance isn't that bad. Um, Montrose, I thought we were great, absolutely fantastic. Um, and then you get to something like I didn't think we were particularly wonderful. Well, we weren't. We were. I thought we were honking against Clyde, and yet we managed to, you know, to scarf the win and. I think for me, it's always going to be that um, performance. Would you rather watch Airdrie play superbly well and and not get the rub of the green versus a sclaffed win? Um, and, you know, I, I know you have to win to, to get promoted at the end of the day, but I think there was there was a lot to like about, the, about a lot of the performances, even the games that we didn't pick up anything in. Up at Montrose that night, you know, I think we would have won if, Frizz hadn't got injured. Um, you know, there were, and 
but for the a little bit of a slice of bad luck, we could be sitting four or five points better off than we actually are. And therefore, a lot of the, the complaints and the concerns about small squads and, and the bad run and whatever wouldn't really have surfaced greatly. So, no, I've been... Um, I, I think I would I would rather we were in the position that we look at it and think, well, we've played some decent football and maybe not got the rub of the green than playing garbage football and, and sclaffing some odd results because eventually that catches up with you. If you're not a good team, you will be found out. And I think we've got reasonably good players here. I still, we are undoubtedly a little bit short on the squad numbers. Um, you feel that if we can hang in there and get a couple more decent results and get towards Christmas time and still be in the hunt, then uh, a couple of good additions would see us competing, you know, all, all the way to the end. I've not been overly impressed at the, the opposition, to be honest. I think they're, a lot of them are, they've been quite limited. I think Edinburgh are a bit of a false position. Then Fairman are big and strong. They're quite reliant upon getting the ball wide and horsing the ball over to Todorov or, or whoever to, to knock it in. They'll be difficult to beat, but they're not impossible to beat. Falkirk are a bit hit or miss as well. So, yeah, it's it's. I think we're in there pitching and it's a case of don't panic. John, how about you? That last month, what, what have you made of it? Um, yeah, I would say um, definitely, um, obviously, two wins and two clean sheets. Um, that is an improvement on on what had been happening previously. And I think the, the two clean sheets is the it's the most important improvement for me because I was thinking about it earlier on and I'm not sure any of the goals we've conceded this season have actually been good goals. They've they've all been pretty soft from what I remember. Even the, like for example, even the two long-range goals against Queen of the South, the, the two players had so much time and space to, to basically uh, pick their spot in the net and then if you think back to the Dunfermline game as well, uh, the goal they scored was a really simple long throw, unchallenged into the box, and, and they actually did it twice. And well, we were lucky to get away with it with the disallowed goal at the end. Um, so, from my perspective, the two clean sheets is, is definitely definitely an improvement there. Um, and like Alan said as well, I think the Montrose game. I think that was actually the best performance of the season for me so far. And um, the defence were defence were solid, and just the whole team. I I thought played really well. Um, that game. Um, so, um, yeah, um, definitely an improvement, <clears throat> um, I would say. Pro- um, probably the, um, I suppose my only, um, well, my, I suppose my main concern would be, we, we talked about this uh, before we came on, but just the difference in the home form and the away form. Um, in, like what we were saying, you know, the games against Montrose and even the Queen of the South game, um, you know, we, we, we we played well, and we played well in those games. And I think, apart from the Edinburgh game, obviously, I think we've actually played we've played very well in every home game, and we've we've funked a few teams. You know, we've won four now twice and won five now. And so at home, I think I think we're looking very good. And I think we've actually scored the most goals in the league. But then um, the the away forms um, quite stark in comparison. That we've only beaten Clyde and Peterhead, who are obviously the the two. Well, I don't want to jinx um, Saturday, but they're obviously the two worst teams in the league at the moment, uh, and, and quite considerably so. Um, and I, I wasn't actually there on Saturday at the Clyde game, but by all accounts, the performance uh, the performance wasn't great, although we won. So I suppose that's the most important thing. So I suppose that would be one thing I would be looking to looking to improve upon, um, improve that away form because um, you know, like some of the recent away games, like Kelty. Um, you know that 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 was a really that was a really poor game, um, and yeah, and like I was saying as well, uh, Kelty, Edinburgh, and Montrose. If we defended a bit better in those games, we could have got at least a point in in all of those games. And, and like Alan says, could have been four or five points better off. And I think we're four points off second at the moment. So if you'd you know even one one of those games and drawing one would be would be in a better spot. Although I think considering. Considering the poor run that we had to to be in the position that we're still in, is is still largely positive, I would say. So, if we can keep at it, keep winning the home games, and you know, pick up a few results away from home, and sort of be in and around where we are, with hopefully Frizzle and Gabby back at, at Christmas January time, I think that would be a pretty positive spot. It seems to me, as someone who's barely made a game, uh, there's a lot of chat about LG. And like Callum Smith, and in terms of what's their best position, I guess broader than that, do you think we know 
at this point in the season our best team albeit he's not got a lot of senior players to juggle about um, but does have McCabe and Fordyce settled upon this is how Airdrie should should play to give ourselves the best chance I don't I don't I don't think so because I felt that there were so many plus points of the, the Montrose game you know the we, we, at last, we went to two men up front, and 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 Jimison got to play a little bit more centrally. And I mean, even his dad's on t- t- Twitter afterwards saying, you know, that's what happens when Lewis plays straight through the middle, and then things don't go particularly well. Next, the following week at Clyde, and the very first thing that that, that we revert to is let's get back to the, the three guys up front with the two wide men, which doesn't really work greatly, and it's and it's almost like. There's a wee bit of a panic stations that you know you can't sit sit tight and and let what works work eventually. Um, the encouraging thing is, and maybe this is why I'm, I'm more comfortable and, and and give McCabe more leeway maybe than Murray is that, that I think I think Reese's ways of going about it are always to try to win the game. So you can I think I can at least respect that and think I, I never feel we we walk off the park thinking we tried to contain and we tried to uh, limit ourselves but we and we ended up losing which I, I used to get really quite annoyed at Murray about that, that we were he was a bit more pragmatic and uh, and we, we we sometimes lost games that you thought you know if we just deployed ourselves a wee bit more positively I would agree <laughs> with that as well I thought the like I was saying I thought the Montrose game was probably the best we've actually played um, this season, and I thought the the team in the system that they that they played was was that was primarily the reason for that. I thought it got the it got the best out of the defence, um, and like I said, I thought um, it got well it got the best out of the midfield and the and the forwards as well. Um, I suppose it's it's quite tricky to well, I suppose you know you tr- trying to fit uh, Gal Jameson and Smith into the one team because well as um, Jameson and Jameson's dad were saying, you know, you want to play Jameson through the middle, but then you're maybe playing Smith a bit deeper than than what you would like as well. Um, but then, you know, Jameson's the one who's scoring goals at the moment, so I suppose you can't really you can't really argue with that. Um, so and um, and yeah, um, in terms of the Clyde game, like I said, I wasn't there, but um, my friend who was there, he he said the same thing about them changing it back to the the forwards out wide, which well, which. I wasn't too pleased to hear about. Um, so hopefully this Saturday they'll be back to the um, back to the same system they played against Montrose, and um, hopefully that'll that hopefully that'll bear fruit once again. I suppose as well. Obviously, there's a couple of players to come back, so I suppose you know, do you, do you keep the same system and then swap Frizzle? Um, and well, of course you, you put Frizzle in the team, but who do you who do you take out? I guess um, do you take out Telfer, uh, Devaney, or um, I suppose that would be. I suppose that's a. Um, I suppose that's a um, selection issue that that McCabe will have to solve, and um, we've got Gabby to come back as well. Although I would probably stick with the current forwards at the moment, but it'll be good to have them back because I think you know, if you've got uh, Gabby and Frizzle back, I think immediately the bench will be a bit stronger um, anyway, which will which should help. You know, actually having subs that McCabe trusts to bring on should should make a difference. It gets the guys on the pitch looking over their shoulder a wee bit as well. You know, if yeah. there's no competition for a place, you know, there's there's always that feeling that you know they'll, they'll think, well, I can get away with a slightly poorer performance, and I'm I'm still guaranteed a place the following week. Where that's that's really not the case. I mean, I, I was kind of harboring the, the suspicion that some of the away games, you know, we played better at home because it was that big pitch and the big new pitch, and and that was and it was a good playing surface. And it fitted us, you know, pushing the ball through the middle of the park, breaking the lines, all that sort of stuff that we've talked about before. And, and there was the space to do that. Um, but, but Saturday's game, you know, that's a big pitch, very similar. And it's a good surface. And just none of none of that, you know, none of that movement was there. And none of the, um, yeah, like I can understand that you know, maybe we're being a little bit of, uh, unfair on Clyde you know I, I find Clyde a tremendously frustrating team to watch you always think they're a bit shit and we should be ro- rolling all over them um, and they really packed men behind the ball quite substantially the whole game they weren't very good and, and I was thinking god we should be beating this team quite easily if we just upped it a little bit more and uh, but they, they got bodies behind the ball and, and we, we ran out of 
ideas kind of quickly. But, you know, they're maybe difficult to, they're maybe, maybe just quite difficult to play against. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, they're, they're really scrabbling for results now, um, you know, being solo in the league. So you're wondering what's their next two or three games or are other teams going to struggle to create a little bit more against them? Um, but I, I, I definitely think the halftime slightly panicky going back. And, and he, he obviously thought that we had a lot of, they weren't offering an awful lot and we could afford to have three men up the pitch, a bit higher up the pitch. But it kind of doesn't work when the, when the, the two other, when Gav's through the middle, when the two other guys are very wide, they seem, there seems to be a disconnect. You know, they don't run off each other and offer short balls for one another. And clearly Jamison doesn't really know what to do out in that wide position. And Smith still seems for me to be a little bit of an enigma. And, you know, we know how capable he is and how, how you know, how effective he can be. But nothing seems to be kind of working out for him at the moment. Even on Saturday, there's a couple of good chances that you think last season he takes a good touch, cuts inside and, and, and hits the bottom corners and it's a goal. And he's, take, and he's just looking a little bit lacking in sharpness. He takes an extra touch and somebody gets a foot in or a body in front of him and, and 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 the move is broken. So, yeah, it's uh, difficult for Smith at the moment, I think. It was the same against Montrose as well. There was a couple of chances that he, he probably should have done better with, but you know, uh, he's, he's still getting into those positions and he's, you know, his work rate alone, he's, he's still contributing through that. So I'm sure, it, I'm sure it will come. Um, and um, I think I said in the chat, um, you know, against Edinburgh City in the or FC Edinburgh, sorry, in the in the League Cup, um, I thought he was the only one who hit a decent penalty. So maybe he'll take the next one and we'll actually score from a penalty again. A proper full eye. Neil Parry cost us a playoff shoot away. He's, I think he's a very good keeper at penalties. I didn't actually think that was necessarily that bad a miss. Just that Parry yeah. had gone down early and really got to the. Uh, I think that ball might have hit the side netting, so at least he followed up and got the uh, the rebound. But our penalty record of late isn't isn't great. Right, a couple of things from what you said. Then opinionated dads didn't know about LJ's dad on uh, Twitter, but I'd heard so much about McCabe Senior, but never actually seen him until uh, Airdrie fans TV brought him to life for me, and he had some quite forthright dad like views. Is this what we need more of? Do we need to get some just un uh, what would they even call it? Undistilled dad views. Uh, Absolutely. And listening I would, to I that. Have, <laughs> I would have McCabe's dad on the bench, just even just shouting at Reese, going, Come on, son, what are you doing there? You know, or he's looking over saying, I think I'm going to make a substitution. No, you're no. No, you're no. Or, you're <laughs> not putting him on. You're putting him on. And, or, or, or I'm no, and I'm no making you your dinner tonight or something. I don't know. No tippy tappy, or two, it's too tippy tappy. Just get a ball in the net. I quite like that. So that's my level of football analysis. I quite enjoyed that. I haven't actually seen the, the interview, so was it? Oh, I'll I'll send, yeah, I need to send you the link. It was it was at halftime, uh, and I was looking for a view. I was just wondering about Reese going, "Oh, Dad, shop." <laughs> if he was watching it back, uh, but yes, it's definitely worth a watch. They had uh, Justin Devon's mother as well, so maybe maybe get a few get a few mums as well. Uh, the, the crowd must be pretty healthy just with all these these rallies because uh, Devaney's brother was there as, as well, wasn't he? He got interviewed and, and Connor Smith Callum's brother. So, uh, yeah, we're putting a, a fair amount of money into Clyde's coffers just with the, the, the families coming along if they're not getting comps. Well, if, if, we keep, if we keep banning fans, then we're probably going to have to ask <laughs> a few signs what, what size of family they've got. Yeah, keep, your powder dry. Keep, keep your powder dry on that. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, the come, other... on, come on, come on, Colin, get to it. <laughs> the, the other point was just home and away for them. So uh, for years, we were really poor at home. Uh, and I always put that down to like, big empty stadiums. You see, Alan, big pitch. There probably wasn't much to... Um, for for a week, for visiting teams really to fear, uh, in, in terms of the atmosphere or whatever. Um, but the last season we were generally good, and this season it's quite striking just how much better we are at home, other than the Edinburgh debacle, uh, compared to our, our away form. Anything that you can put that down to, Alan, you've already kind of mentioned. I'm thinking all these pitches tend to be astroturf these days, so should it really be that different playing at Kelty, Hamilton? I don't know. I I got the impression sitting where we were in, in Kelty, and maybe it was just a kind of visual illusion. But the Kelty pitch, despite the fact it was new and it was astroturf, looked small and tight, 
I know. I, I would imagine if you measured it, I might be wrong, but I would imagine if you measured it, it did look like it was easy to 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 block the channels and whatever else. But the other ones, I mean, the, the Edinburgh City one, whoever they are now, FC Edinburgh, Edinburgh, what are they? Um, it, it looked a big, it looked a fairly big pitch. The one, you know, at Hamilton's a good pitch and it's it's big and wide. So there's not really any excuse that, that, that we shouldn't be going about our business. Um, what about you, Sean? Can you, can you solve the enigma for me? Unfortunately, no. I would... Uh, well, <laughs> Did yeah, you I would like... by my silence there that I'm thinking, no, I can't solve this enigma. <laughs> no, I would, I would... Well, yeah, I would, I would like to know what the, you know, why uh, why it's the case because i mean well like we were when we were sort of chatting through um you know the, the home gate the, sorry the away games that we've won and you know it's there's too many away games where we've not we've not picked up results you know for it just to be a coincidence but i really don't know i mean like we were saying earlier as well there can't really be any difference between playing at new broomfield and playing at new douglas park so so i'm i'm not sure what the issue is it would be interesting if you know uh, to actually ask you know, to actually ask McCabe about it, I mean, I know they wouldn't give you an answer. It would just be one of these cliched sort of answers and whatnot. But it, so, but yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure what it's down to. But hopefully, it's something that they can. Hopefully, it's something that they can resolve because I don't think the. I mean, if you win enough of your home games, which obviously we are doing, you're you're still going to be in the mix. But um, you know, but if we continue the current away form, I, I you know, that that wouldn't be sustainable. So hopefully, hopefully, it's something that they can that they can resolve. And as for the rest of the month, so we have got Peterhead at home on Saturday, Kelty at home the week after, uh, and then the Road and the Miles to Dundee uh, for a big cup game. What, what do you reckon? Are you confident that the, that the month might play out well? Sean, start with you. Uh, yes, I, 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 I'm confident, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm not sure I like being confident about Airdrie even still, but I, I, I'm pretty confident. I mean, like I said, Peterhead, they're, they're bottom of the league, um, obviously not having a great season, so based on that and, and based on our home form like we're saying we should be winning that and then Kelty uh, Kelty won't be a gimme obviously I mean obviously they beat us um, when we played them away from home uh, but again they're not you know, they're, they're not a particularly great side based on their league position and, and current form overall so again that's a game that you should be looking to win so in terms of the league games yeah I'm, I'm fairly confident that, that, that we'll do well and then Dundee that's obviously a free hit you know um, who knows how that'll go, but it, it could be, a, well, like I said, it's a free hit. You never know how it's going to go. We've got quite a good record against uh, Dundee um, recently, anyway. Um, well, relatively recently, anyway. So, so you never know. We'll maybe go up there and we'll have a we'll have a good we'll have a good day out. We'll see what happens. Alan, when we when you're sitting watching the World Cup, are you going to be top four and still in the Scottish Cup? The, the World Cup just seems to have crept up there, isn't it? It's, it's, it's almost on anybody I'm speaking to. It's on nobody's horizon, really. So, uh, no, I think you've got you've got to look at those two those two home games and think that they're you know, we're going to be desperately disappointed if we don't have six points out of it. Um, Kelty were not particularly impressive. I know they squaffed their win, but um, as Sean said, you know that, that, that game. If we'd even just defended reasonably well, having not played particularly well, we'd have got at least a point. Um, so no, I, I, I think uh, and, and Peterhead have got their own troubles, you know, going. So no, I fully expect six points. Albeit you looked at that game against Clyde as well, and we've usually played reasonably good football against them. Um, maybe we've huffed and puffed, but we've always played good football. But they stuck men behind the ball. And it caused us a bit of bother and we sort, sort of ran out of ideas. So anybody from Kelty or Peterhead watching that game, they might just think, do you know what, we'll, we'll sit back and see if they can break us down. And, and that's my worry. If that happens, then yes, we might get an early goal and it becomes a deluge. But we, you could see us huffing and puffing in 89 minutes and looking for anything that we can get. So, you know, nothing is a, nothing is a gimme. I would hope that we would. Dundee... My all-time hated away game. I really just don't like going to Dens Park at all, which which is funny because I quite like Tanadice. Tanadice is a good a good venue, but Dens is horrible. They always shove us into a horrible corner, and it's always really expensive to get in. The pies cost about a fiver. The cops are really aggressive. 
the, the stewards are really aggressive as well. They're always sit down, don't be sitting there, don't stand up, don't shout, whatever. So there's nothing pleasurable about going to Dens Park at all. And I can't really remember us getting a lot of decent results there either. It's always a bit miserable. I think it's probably the one ground that I can think of that Airdrie fans have been situated in every single part of the ground at some point. Yeah. Um, that's, that sounds like a strange very geeky thing to, to say but I'm pretty sure I've been behind both we've been behind both goals um, there was a sandstorm in one game that were behind the goals and you couldn't see it because the sand was blowing off the, the track we've been in the, the, the stupid sort of V-shaped stand both standing underneath it and up in the corner we've been in that right across from it once I remember in the, the tiny wee uh, low seated area from it just aye it's a, it's a strange horrible place. I think probably the only the, the the only away ground that would be worse for me would probably be Livingston because I just hate them as well. They're a <laughs> cardboard cardboard cutout yeah. team and 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 I don't like going to Livingston either. But but Dens are Livingston. And and it's that kind of feeling that we'll have to you can't you almost can't see us getting anything from it because we just can't be struggling these venues. So I'm kind of prepared for a bad day out yeah. for that one. Three hit, but yeah, yeah. I guess it's it's not the the most exciting draw. You probably prefer non-league place that you'd never been and you'd meet. Aye, something big yeah. or something small, not yeah. something in between. Yeah, no, definitely. Cool. Okay. I mean, I might not speak to you guys and uh, before the transfer window, which is still some way off. But Alan, you mentioned at the start, you feel like the team's not that far off. I hark back to two seasons ago when we weren't really any great shakes and then Kel Turner came in and, and suddenly we, we we looked a different team and got ourselves as far as second place in a playoff final. So if I give you a, a, a wish list for Santa, what, what, what do you want to recruit? What kind of player do we need to maybe just make sure that we get top four and if Dunfermline do a Morton, maybe even get back in the mix? I think we need a ball-winning midfielder, a kind of driving forward ball-winning midfielder that maybe doesn't necessarily need to play every week. Um, and I know Fizzle does that a bit, but somebody with a wee bit more stature um, and physicality. And the same thing probably up, up front, I think, sometimes having a sort of plan B type of a striker, a, a, a big a big guy, you know, that, that bullies a little bit more. Um, and I think we don't tend to have that, uh, and we haven't had that for quite some time. So those would be those would really be the the two that that, that I would be looking for. Uh, it's a it becomes a difficult one as well because I think if you'd if you'd spoken to us two weeks ago or a week, uh, we'd have probably been thinking, well, the two young St. Man boys haven't exactly set the hair on fire. So you get you know McMaster and, and and Jimison being the case in point, but we then get to see what kind of what Jimison can do. So if you can get a bit of consistency out of that, then 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 Jimison does a very, very good job. But if he's going to be played out of position or indeed he's, you know, he's, he's not as effective. And I, and I felt a number of the games earlier on in the season, he's, he was kind of huffing about like a bit of a huffy teenager at times if things weren't going particularly well. Um, you know, I, 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 if that's the case, then... Yeah, that, that he doesn't make himself an automatic, uh, an automatic choice. So you you might well have to then decide. You know, has he at that stage has he given us enough to warrant keeping him for the rest of the season, or or at least asking for him for the rest of the season? Some man might actually not want him to come back and want him to go somewhere else, much like you know Celtic did with 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 McEnroy. Um, but it gives gives more of a decision because, as I say, a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't have been desperately disappointed if if if, if he went back to St. Martin at Christmas time. Right. So Alan wants a prime Martin Hardy and a good Afalabi. Uh, what about you, Sean? What, what are you having? <laughs> I would de- I would definitely say uh yeah definitely say a ball winning midfielder in the in the Martin Hardy in the Martin Hardy mold. Um, I think that's 
that I think that's really the the main sort of thing that this team's missing. I think just somebody who's going to sit in front of the defence. I think w- would help this team a lot. Because um, like like I've said, we've been really open this season, and there's not been a lot of protection in front of the defence, which you know you've seen from some of either the counter attacking goals or, or the long range goals that, that we've conceded. So just somebody who who yeah, will protect the defence a little bit. I think would help, and uh, yeah, just somebody who's going to win the ball back and and then and then give the ball to. To one of the more, uh, uh, one of the I guess more playmaking players, I think that would be a big help because certainly that was probably the one thing um, that could have really helped us against Kelty, uh, for example, and by the sounds of things, maybe Clyde as well on Saturday. So I think that would help. I think as well, um, we've not really got a natural winger, which is why you know players like Smith and Jameson have been playing out wide. So maybe yeah, I mean again, don't have to play every week, but you know if you are going to play. You know, if if you're going to play forwards out wide, maybe just having actually a, a guy who, who whose whose role that is, that that would help as well. And maybe another centre half as well, because I think you know, obviously we've got for dice and well, there's Watson and ATS, but they're both. Um, well, maybe I know ATS is probably more of a centre half these days, but obviously his natural position was left back, and uh, then Watson's been a right back as well. So. And well, McCabe, he's a midfielder, so we've kind of only really got one natural centre half if you look at it like that. So maybe another centre half would, uh, another centre half would be would be good too. Again, your winger, get... your winger comments quite quite kind of pertinent because you kind of look at our bench, and I know we're short on players, but the one thing, however you load our bench at the moment, there's not really anybody on there that feels like an impact player, and wingers are that by the. Their very nature, you know. So if you get somebody that's a tricky guy that can that can show a clean pair of heels and get past a man and create chances, and is reasonably good at that, that, that that's probably worth its weight in gold. And that's the sort of stuff that can turn games when they're when it's not yeah. going your way. Um, I, t- I tend to, and I've, I've been kind of banging on about this for a long time now, but I, I, I'm very much a fan of of uh, McKay playing in the midfield, even if it's the holding midfield role, sit standing in front of the in front of the defence. I just think it offers us a, a hell of a lot more than when he's in the, in the back four. And and to be honest, I think he's played in the back four in games of late that we've not looked particularly clever. So despite the fact that he does read the game very well, it's not like he's the the the, the all encompassing answer to our defensive problems. Therefore, the, the miss of him not being in the middle of the park and us playing a little bit further forward, it's it's not worth having him in the, in the midfield. I mean, I was noticing the, the contrast in the games away at Aloha and at home at Montrose. And, and at home at Montrose, when, when McCabe was, uh, was further back, every time I we got the ball and were looking to move forward and counter-attack in some way, I looked to see where Telfer was, and Telfer was behind the play. And they, when McCabe was playing further up the pitch against Montrose, Telfer couldn't play deep there because McCabe was there. And every time we counter-attacked and moved forward, Telfer was ahead of the play and looking for a, a ball being fed up to him to link to the forwards. And that was that, that was the crux of the, the, the differential between those two games, I think getting a better use out of Telfer further and further up the park. And I think, I think Colin, we've, we've talked about that in our WhatsApp and whatever, that a lot of Falkirk fans sort of suggested that that, uh, that Telfer was far more effective if you could get him further up the pitch, you know. And so I think that's I think that's what we've got to persevere with. You're going to love this uh, McCabe senior clip, Alan, because uh, you're singing very much in the same hymn, hymn sheet as him. But specifically that, he says he Reece should be in midfield because it lets Charlie Telfer get further forward. Uh, man sure is a genius. Different. Yeah, the man exactly. is a genius. A visionary, visionary. Okay, moving on, the, uh, moving to off the pitch uh, for some of the more salacious stuff. So we'll start with an appetizer. Uh, the last podcast we did. The new strip had been teased and it looked to me as if it was going to be like a remake of the 1992 Cup Final uh, jersey. So they they, they said, oh, it's going to be this material and it was like a zigzag pattern. Uh, That's on the sleeves. The main body is just white, uh, but the diamond is broken, uh, which which didn't go down particularly well with a a lot of the fans. So uh, both of you are... uh, 
to my knowledge, quite into collecting airdrie strips. So, what do you make of it, Sean? We'll start with we'll start with you as a, as a Jersey. Were you were you a fan? Uh, not at all. No, I uh, wasn't a fan of it when I saw it, and I'm, I'm still not a fan of it. Um, no, I, I really don't like it. Um, yeah, um, I, 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 so I wrote down in my notes, you know, um, like one of these things, like with an Airtree home top, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you, you've got one job, really, just make it white with a red diamond, and that's about it. People will be happy enough, or I, I would be happy enough for that anyway. But no, it's really, no, it's it's really poor, and it, it, it was a double whammy because obviously the kit was it was so late, um, which was already quite rightly annoying folk, and then you know it wasn't just late, and then. And then it came and it, it didn't look like that. So it was a real, yeah, it was a real double blow in that regard. You know, it's one thing to be late, but then to not even have a, to not even have a proper diamond on it was, it was really poor. And then, you know, I, I was, I sort of felt myself getting annoyed, you know, when I saw it and I was trying to say to myself, you know, oh, look, you know, you're, you're a fully grown man here. It doesn't matter, but, but it does matter. You know, the, the, these things do matter. It's an important part of your, your, of, of your club's history and identity. And it's, it's not something that should be, it's not something that should be messed with, in in, in my opinion. So, um, so, yeah, I was annoyed, and I think as well, you just have to ask, like, who you know, who signed this off? Um, was it the club? Was it the, the? Well, I assume the club do have final approval, so I guess it was them. But same, you know, was it Football Nation? It just it just seems really poor. Like, you know, as I said, you've got one job. Your customer base want a full diamond, so give them one. That, that's what they want. That's what's going to produce the, the the most sales and it would be inter- i mean obviously we're never going to actually know but it'd be interesting to to know the comparisons between the between the sales between this kit and the and the last few kits because the, the last few home kits have actually been really good i've really liked them and and i've bought them and I've, I've i think i said in the last podcast that if football nation had had done a good job um with the kits the away kits i didn't like the yellow one but basically every other kit i thought was really good um but this year no, I'm not impressed. I think the the third kit's probably the best, the best of the bunch this year. Alan, uh, Gordon Thompson, previous of this parish and uh, now logistics manager for the club, had said on Twitter that uh, there is a full diamond there. It's just covered up by the shoulders, which made me laugh. I was thinking, I've got a six pack. It's just covered by about two inches of flab. Uh, you, you buy? Are you buying that? Is it just an optical illusion? And I shouldn't be getting so bothered about this. Absolutely. If it wasn't for that, the, the, the grey wallpaper on the sleeves, you would be able to see the full <laughs> thing, so you shouldn't be worried about it. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I was horrified when I saw the pictures of it um, on the Thursday or the Wednesday before uh, we saw it on the players. And when they ran out, I thought, nah, I'm not so sure about that. I don't really like it. By the end of the game, I was thinking, oh, it's actually not that bad. And I bought it the next week. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> however, however, I, I did quite like, and I thought the, the last year's one was quite flattering on me. This new cut, uh, I look like a fat old man in it. So I, I'm almost, I cannot see me wearing it. It might it might be one that I, I stick on a, 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 in a frame or something like that. I don't know. I, I did think, I was doing that horrified You've broken the diamond. It's not a proper diamond. This is this is not right. And then I had that moment of thinking, really. I mean, is that the is that the worst thing that can that, that can possibly happen? And then you know, I suppose you know if it if it had been almost exactly the same as last year's, you know, how much can you do to change a design of a a white with a red diamond on it? So I suppose the remit for these guys is to try and create something that's a little bit different but kind of the same so I almost kind of don't en- envy them you know having to come up with something brand new I think and, and a real concern of mine was going to be that let's say the grey the, the grey bit because I really it takes me back I hated the Hummel uh, grey flecks and, and zigzags and stuff through through the one back in the day so I really thought it was going to be badly like that so the fact that at least it was only in the sleeves kind of pacified me a wee bit as well so I'm kind of left in a wee bit of a dilemma really because the fit athletic Airdrie players look reasonably okay in it but when I then think oh, that's, a, that's a good strip I'll get that on there I've got it on and I'm standing in front of the mirror thinking oh no I'm not I'm, I'm really not sure I'm, I'm I'm talking myself into thinking it's an Italian cut that I think that's that so it's just 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 
my my belly needs to go down a little bit more. I also had to buy a large in it rather than a, last year. I bought a large and it was too big, and I had to go and get a medium. This time round, I got a medium, and I had to go and replace it with a large. So that doesn't sit well with me either. Okay, right. Okay, so 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 contrasting opinions on it. I think for me. Uh, Sean, I'm more more in your cap. I, I think the interesting question is why why did it happen? And I think yeah, kind of uh, being a bit of a strip geek as well. Every other year, jersey I've got the the front panel and the back panel join at the shoulders, uh, and then it's just this year it's weird that it's got a seam running from what well, the, the the whole sleeve piece right up to the next a different piece of material. And I don't know. So you would have had to screen printed the diamond onto the the zigzag wallpaper bit that you're talking about, Alan. But I, that doesn't feel to me like it would have been impossible. Um, and, and I'm the same. I think, well, it's, it's the jersey. The diamond's never been broken in that way before, albeit there was that Evex trip, which was terrible. The Evex uh, one, yeah, did we not go bust after that? There's a, there's a, that doesn't work out well, does it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think at least it's only about for one season and we've had two months of not having to look at it. But yeah, a big a big thumbs down from, uh, from me, just based on, I don't know. I'm with you, Sean. I think it'll be interesting to see how many's left at the end of the season. Half price sale. I suspect you'll have your yeah. If you've lost a bit of weight by then, I think you'll get a medium no bother, Alan. I, I don't think it will fly off the shelves, but I could be I could be wrong. I what just about the red, what about the red Pringle away one? The it's, that doesn't look like I, I expected it to to look right. either. So for me, it looks a bit like an opened Christmas cracker. I think is what they've, they've based that, that design on. I'm not a fan right. of that. I haven't seen the launch photos. It's also weird that the launch photos, the home ones were like really slick and looked like they were on some sort of CGI pitch and then the away ones, they just seemed to be in a, a store cupboard. It was as if they'd run out of time to get the pictures taken and uh, and that would just do. Uh, yeah, I think the, the third top's really nice and I think the stripy red and white one's really nice as well, whether we'll see that again now, I don't know. Uh, but now nah, both the home and away, I'm not, not big fans of. What about you? Did you buy that as well, Alan? No, no, I didn't. But I might, uh, I have to leave my wife something to buy me at Christmas time now, so... So I'll maybe get it that. Be that. It, might, it, might, it might be that. See, I, I don't like the red one that much, but as I say, by Christmas time, I'll, I'll maybe. It's it's all about the collection, isn't it? Now, yeah, I, I quite I quite like having every every one, so I probably will right. end up buying it. There uh, are so many, I think, in the past that I've just decided I, I wasn't going to buy, and I look back at it and think, you know, I wish I'd bought that now, just even to have it. Yeah. yeah. I just hope next year. I mean, obviously. Um, it'll be the hundredth anniversary of the Scottish Cup, so hopefully they hopefully they pull something good out of the bag. Um, it's not not again, not hard to like make a strip that looks as mm. like the nineteen twenty four jersey in modern material as you can. Ideally, if home masters were still about and were prepared to uh, have their sponsor printed on in white so that you couldn't even see it, uh, that would be amazing too. But we'll we'll, we'll see what we end up with. See what, they'll see probably what bring out. They'll probably bring out some horrible woolly. <laughs> scratchy thing you know that's totally authentic to 100 years ago that's totally unwearable yeah uh, we've got players out uh, with with the uh, grazed nipples for, for four weeks and stuff <laughs> like that <laughs> bleeding nipples <laughs> uh, right so on to the, the, the next point and this is really what's all over the Facebook page and today Scottish football away days posted the picture of Gary uh, and the letter so he's been told don't queue here at the stadium because you won't get in uh, and given an indefinite ban for uh, flicking the Vs in the background of a picture of the match the mascot and some of his his friends, uh, which uh, I think that, that well, no, I, my, my view on it is it's uh, an over-the-top punishment for, uh, for, for what he actually did. So I'm trying to be calm and logical about it. A couple of years ago, we spoke about it on here at the time, the club brought in a family section of the, the main stand. If you're going to have a family section, you probably need to police it. If something like this happens, then if you don't do something, you don't really have a family section. So some sort of punishment, I think maybe a one-game ban and maybe saying, if you want to behave like that, go and sit, up, sit out of the family section uh, would have been the proportionate way to, uh, to do it. This, I think, just reflects pretty badly on the, the club today being the case in point where that tweet's gone viral essentially uh, I've been messaged by Hearts fans that I used to work with Rangers and Celtic fans I was at uni with the guy who does the Partick Thistle 
podcast and they all think the club's completely out of order. So it just makes the club look quite bad, which is not what I want to see. But interested to hear your views because maybe maybe I'm wrong. So so what do you think, Sean? What do you think about Fingergate? Uh, no, I, f- I think you're I think you're right, Colin. Like, um, I think it's totally I think it's totally disproportionate to to what's actually happened. Um, obviously, um, obviously we we don't know who we, and quite rightly we don't we don't know who complained um, about it. Um, but you know, I can understand that if the clubs received a letter of complaint or a phone call or whatever, I understand that they obviously feel that they have to do something about this and they can't they can't just sort of you know leave it laying or or whatever. But uh, to give an indefinite ban. Um, you know, for for what was you know maybe something a bit daft, but what was really just an innocuous um, joke, I think, is 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 just way disproportionate. Um, I, I like like I say, just very disproportionate, and I doubt even you know I doubt even the kids. Well, the kids wouldn't even have noticed probably at the time, and I doubt they'd be that bothered. I doubt they'd be that bothered. Um, either about it you know um I, I i sit in in that section and it's certainly no worse than anything else that's been said or done in in that part of the stand or or at any stand at any football game um and i just wonder as well like who does this actually you know who does this actually serve who does it benefit because even if you've complained about it i mean I, you know i very much doubt that you, i very much doubt that you'd want gary to have an have an indefinite ban um because of it and also as well it just sets a a worrying precedent for me as well. Like you know, if you know, if I if I swear at the game on Saturday or whatever, and somebody complains, you know, am I going to am I going to get a ban or you know things like that? So, um, so yeah, I just find that it's just a shame, you know, that um, that this has happened and that this very disproportionate and unfair punishment is um, has occurred over what was, like I say, something like like I say. Maybe something daft, but something that was that was innocuous at, at the end of the day. One of the comments on the uh, the photo on Twitter is somebody saying the fact that none of the kids in the photo is making the same gesture as a damning indictment on the modern education system. So you can take that as a teacher, Sean. I don't know well, what you can do about sure. it. But uh, <laughs> what, what about you, Alan? What did you make of it all? Oh, it just it just feels like a storm in a teacup to me. You know, life's hard enough without you know. Uh, blowing these things sort of out of proportion. I, I read I read the letter because it was on it was on Facebook and stuff like that. And and you just think that when you're writing a letter like that, um, you know, instead of ending it, you know, please instead of ending it where you're barred, it could have been please be mindful of future conduct. And somebody like Gary would hopefully have looked at that and thought felt a wee bit embarrassed about it and gone, God I, I need to screw that a wee bit there and watch out with that um but that didn't happen that photograph as well again you question if somebody's complaining about that you know it could have been cut out as well you know with you wouldn't need to be brain of britain to cut that out and it wouldn't have ruined that photograph so again not not really a big issue i understand i think that you know that the club are being seen to make a a measured response and it's probably post rico gate you know, the, the, had this happened before the Rico thing, I don't think any question would have been made about it at all, to be honest. Um, and, I, and, I, and, and I think, as Sean has alluded to, I, I think it makes it a difficult job now for the for the for the board to, you know, to keep up that level of sanitisation consistently. It's it's going to be very very difficult if that's how they're pitching their their, their tent with us. There is plenty of poorer things going on. Um, yeah, I, do, I just think it could have been dealt with a little bit easier. And I do appreciate that in the back end of the Rico thing, that the club probably felt that they should say something or do something. Um, but as I say, writing that later, it naturally would flow into, please mind mind your future conduct, end of story. Unless, unless of course, there are other things at play here and there's been other friction between the individuals involved you don't know maybe yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. criticize the stadium maybe <laughs> criticize the the quality of the brown sauce and the, the at the pie stand i don't know but there could have been something like that but yeah it's, it's starting to make us look a bit it's starting to make us look a bit daft um so you know it needs to be nipped in the bud somewhere along the way yeah. and, and and i mean the added factor and 
and it shouldn't be a factor in the conduct side of things, but there is a detrimental effect on Airdrie's crowds, you know, and we, we were talking about it on Saturday that in a game that we had quite a big following, where there was a decent crowd at, at Clyde, you know, a, a lot of the guys that would go in Gary's bus would be the, the guys that would sing and create a wee bit of atmosphere, and if they're not going to be there, that, that has a detrimental effect on the the, the atmosphere at, at the games, which, which is not good. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of wee offshoots to this. Yeah. But uh, the main thing is, as you say, we're now becoming viral and it's now looking that like like it's a bit daft and a more measured response, I think, would have been the best way forward. So I think we're all pretty much on the same page then in terms of what happened, what should have been the response. The biggest bit for me is, again trying to think calmly and rationally about it all is fan engagement so for me as an Airdrie fan I think that's the future I think other clubs do it well uh, and I think Motherwell just down the road from us do it very well in terms of we need to be trying to find a way to make Airdrie sustainable and successful uh, going forward from here and we've got to a really low ebb uh, I think since the takeover there's been clear investment in the playing side, like this is the best football that we've seen for a number of years, way better than it was during uh, Wotherspoon and, and and the latter days of the, the Ballantyne regime. There seems to be, to me, investment in things like infrastructure. So the new pitch went down over the summer, new floodlights went in last season, I think it was new heating systems went in. So I think there's so much there that, that's positive. What's missing is the fan engagement does seem to be going backwards, and this is probably a good example of so it's got toxic very quickly. And I, if I'm thinking logically about it, that's the only owner who I think we can make sense. You've got the stadium and the, the club both under common ownership. What's the alternative? So people call in the club Tyranny AFC on, on uh, Twitter. Do we just want to get to the point where we've got an owner who feels unloved and stops putting money into it? I, I don't think there's any multi-millionaire waiting to buy the whole thing and and throw money at it Newcastle style so I just don't I just don't quite follow the logic of if you agree that there's an overreaction what's the calm way to protest and maybe that is something like just the letter and the picture going up on Twitter without your fans really rushing in to make such strong comments on it and that puts a bit of pressure on the club when they see the uh, what the consensus of the footballing public is uh, and maybe if you do something a game it's calm and measured and it doesn't turn into just abuse getting shouted uh, so that you make your strength of feeling known but you do it in a way where you hope that the, uh, the, the the club will understand it but more than that I think we need to be looking at how does the club better engage with the fans because Alan we've done this podcast kind of since the, the death of the, the Wotherspoon days and it feels like we're getting to that we're kind of getting to a disconnect level again which just isn't healthy when the football's been so good yeah, I agree. I mean, I, th- I think from from our point of view, we've never been uh, welcomed with open arms, really. And there's, you know, nobody's ever been made available to us to speak to, even in a measured sense. Even, you know, let's speak to the manager or let's speak to somebody in the board, and we'll s- submit the right questions before it, so that, that you can have a look at it. And we're not trying to Shanghai you in some way here. We just want to hear your side of things. And that very rarely happens. Now, in many ways, I've not got a problem with that. I, I don't mind that my chairman, I never hear from him or see from him, because my view is that he's there to put a manager in place and to make sure the books balance. And to be, and, 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 I, and I think Paul Hetherington has ultimately done that. Um, and we're in a reasonably good position, probably financially, and compared to a lot of other businesses, but there has consistently been this rubbing the wrong way with whether it's been fans that have been involved at trust level or, you know, circumstances like this. And I mean, suppose he'll he'll maybe argue then that, well, I haven't made this public. You know, the the fact that this has all become public is because it it went on Facebook and, and whatever else, and it was potentially a private matter dealt with privately. But it probably just, as I say, I think it's circumstantial that all this sort of stuff has cropped up after the Rico type of thing, and and there's been a mis a misunderstanding of what the reasoned response was 
you know, for, for the next thing that cropped up. And and unfortunately, that, that, that this is what it's been. And, you know, if it had been something, you know, a little bit more a bit more tasteless, then, then maybe there wouldn't have been so much of an outcry. But the fact that it's been a little bit, you know, it, it's been a little bit of a storm in a teacup, as I, as I suggested, is, has just kind of maybe flamed a lot of people's views on the board and Paul Hetherington in particular because they don't really know who he is. They haven't seen much of him and the stories have been historically that uh, people that people have not got on with him that, that, from a fan level. So, you know, that, that is maybe just a, a collision of the stars in yeah. terms of all that stuff. I think it's communication. So uh, Aston Villa launched a new badge today. Oh, that's interesting. They haven't had a nightmare when they tried to do it. Uh, Cardiff, when they tried to change the club colour, uh, Aston Villa went out of their way to... There's a really nice page on their website talking through, here's the elements that we want to have in the badge. They gave fans two choices and everyone's really happy with the, the change that they've made. And it was just like simple communication for things like the strip design, we could have done something like that and you would have avoided uh, the kind of fallout that you have here. And similarly here, it just if we had some sort of relationship at board level, the trust probably needs rejuvenated because there was a total fallout between the people that were there. But we should still have a supporter's trust. And just if this could be the nadir of pub fan relationships and we all kind of realise, OK, this isn't great, move on from here, find a way for the, the, the club to take the views of the fans on board on certain things. I agree with you, Alan. I think it can be overkill, but uh, I think we need to start building some sort of engagement as to what matters to the to the fans. What things can we be doing off the pitch? There were some kids up from Caldervale playing football on the, the, the pitch last Friday. That's a great thing to see as a girl gets shown about for her birthday. Just like good good news stories that go along with the club, I think, go a long way. And we just that we've had the opposite of it with these two things uh, in in the last few weeks and we just need to try and turn it around because I don't want to be on the, the podcast moaning about the board. I want to see Airdrie thrive. I think that's that I just get frustrated that none of this is, is really big stuff. This could have been done a lot better uh, and we could be focusing on building a successful club rather than just abuse starts getting thrown about and you just, I just worry about the the future where the where the club's going unless we can start to build something pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah and and if Paul Hetherington doesn't feel comfortable dealing face to face with the fans, then again that's okay and that's his prerogative to do that. But there should be somebody there, you know, that at board level, and even if it's it's difficult to even cite who's on the board at the moment. But even if it's somebody like Gordon Watson, you know, Gordon's a good guy, um, and is Airdrie through and through. And originally, I think, was put in post because he was going to be a sort of liaison with the fans. And there doesn't really seem to be any of that. And going back to our whole argument about, you know, uh, about embracing us even, you know, very early doors, we wanted Gordon to come on and, and speak on, on behalf of the club in his role. And I don't think he was allowed to, you know. So there's 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 all these kind of inconsistencies and, and maybe... They're starting to reap what they've sown a wee bit by not being as available and not being as engaging. But as I say, pe- plenty of people don't like that sort of involvement and don't like that face-to-face thing. That is fair enough. But I think there needs to be a role in there at the club somewhere to deal with those. You know, we, we used to, even in the kind of poorer times, we used to have quite a lot of uh, supporters' meetings and things that there would be a the board or a club rep or something would be along to talk about it. Even, you know, the much maligned Jim Ballantyne, whereas I, I disagreed with a lot of the stuff that he, he came out with laterally, um, it, it would turn up and, and uh, you know, be available to, to, to answer questions. And there seems to have been really none of none of that. And, and I think the fans, you do, as you say, get that disconnect and you don't really get the feel for what the, the plan is going forward. What these guys feel about our club, you know, and and that 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 missing part, as I say, probably it starts to feed into when something goes wrong. You get this that you get this uh, uh, reaction to it. That's that's uh, I'm not saying it's as misplaced. It's probably quite understandable, but it's kind of based on that big fog in the middle because you don't really know who you're dealing with. Yeah, but logically, I think it all all that can result in is 
owners losing interest and, and then where you go yeah. so it's just how you, how you work together and, and you've hinted at it there but we've or I have asked in the last few seasons can we get a director on no can, can Ian Murray come on here's the questions we'd ask him no we'll do our interviews in-house this year would Rhys McCabe come on no so Okay, that's maybe just me getting bruised ego. I don't think it's for us to be Nixon when you come on here. Stuart Miller used to come on, and that, the fans always liked hearing because you were getting a bit of an inside view. Uh, but we've not had anything since since Stuart left. Um, yeah, uh, that's a, the frustration of of mine. Uh, other things like the, the sensory room uh, disappearing. Uh, I mean, bad time for me. My son's in the process of getting diagnosed with autism so I was thinking oh your beauty I'll be able to still go to the football with them uh, and then suddenly that's disappeared uh, in fairness the uh, the club did phone me I wrote to them to see if there was anything that could be done there and they talked me through their reasoning but at least I feel like I've been listened to and been given the chance to to put a view forward as to why we should have been looking to to keep that but it's just all these things mount up I think I'd... <laughs> the reason to do the podcast was to try and generate interest in the the, the club uh, and have fun talking about it. So I don't want to get into the, the weeds on negative stuff. Um, but as I say, just it'd be great if we could start building it, both sides, fans and the club. How can we work together? But will it happen? Don't know. So what do you think the outcome is of, the, of all this is going to be? Again, I've, I deliberately don't really follow the, the, the socials that much about it because it's... Uh, I think it, it sometimes gets toxic very, very quickly, but there, there, there has to be a resolution to it at some point or it'll kind of keep going on and on. Yeah, again, I think it's the danger of just positions becoming entrenched. So, I mean, just for the, for the club to back down and, and change it from an indefinite ban into, okay, by indefinite, what we actually were thinking was four games that could maybe be a be a solution uh, and then just start to open some sort of channels of communication if it's just about we think that we need to, if we're going to have a family area it needs to be placed we've maybe been a wee bit heavy handed here uh, but that's what we were trying to do uh, and all just trying to move on from there but from from what's happened in, in recent years uh, I suspect that will just uh, uh, we'll hear no more about it, and and Gary will be left in limbo, and we'll lose another fan like we we lost Les Jones and many others uh, along the way. I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't even think it warrants a ban. To be honest, you know, I, I think looking for some kind of compromising, we'll just stay away for three or four games. The principle was all about whether this was something that was offensive enough to be banned for, and 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 it really wasn't. So, you know. And, and there's a range of views in society of what, what's unacceptable behaviour. So I'm the same as you, Alan. I wouldn't get excited about that at all. But maybe, equally, maybe I, I and, under- and I, we've been a wee bit guilty, I suppose, of criticising the club. I mean, I still have a little bit of a view of why is a 53 year old guy think, finding it's a funny laugh <laughs> to give the Vickies to a bunch of wee boys in the background. So, yeah. you know, there, there's, there's that to be played. I'm not going to question the thought process in it, but it wouldn't be me doing it. Um, so, but as I say, uh, it's something that any fans within their rights to complain if they're if they're offended by that, I, I completely get that. And if if it's parents of some of the kids or or just people that find it distasteful, fine. But it's just then again the channel of communication. I, I could have told you if you if you sent that letter, this is where it would end up. Gary's popular. Yeah. Gary's run the buses for years. He's well known. Uh, that doesn't that's not relevant in terms of do you think the behaviour is out of line or not? But you can see what the response is going to be if you put an indefinite ban in. And I think that's just a bit where I just needed a bit more a bit more thought, as you say. Uh, well, the letter just have some trusted people that you bounce that letter off and get that feedback uh, and take it into account before you send it because I, I just think the letter's a bit ham-fisted. But again. People may disagree. Damage limitation. I think if I was the club, I would go and maybe sit down with Gary and and have a discussion. You can then go and and say we've had the discussion, we've we've voiced our views on 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 that sort of behaviour and 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 explained why we reacted the way we reacted. As I say, it doesn't take brain of Britain to work out that it's in the in the back end of the tribunal stuff and whatever, and uh, and you can release something to say that that you know. Everybody's regrettable, regrettable that the, the situation happened, and Gary can come back and we can all go on with our lives. Yeah. Okay. Right. Any, anything? Anything else that we want to talk about before we wrap up? I saw that. I saw the Rugrats. And and uh, where did you go? 
denied the six-one drubbing of Montrose, which was quite pleasing. So that that was quite a nice thing to see. Good good to see the team for the first time, really. Have you any sense as to what the gap is between that level of football and uh, and the first team, especially where we're we're having to use them to fill the bench? But like Kai and Gunn scored against St Mirren, so. I don't know. Is it ridiculous to I think th- that the better players there might be able to do a job for 10 minutes? I think it's huge. I think it's a huge gap. I wasn't hugely impressed at the overall standard. Certainly, again, every game's different. And we started that game very slowly and eventually grew into it and played some quite nice football. We look quite small and diminutive, I think, to be honest. I think, ironically, uh, Gibson looks probably one of the biggest players in the team, almost, aside from the bold Prince Bright. Um, so, you know, I, I, and if you look back, I suppose if you think about uh, the, the goals, the goal that, what's his name, scored? Kai um, Gun. Kai Gun, aye. Aye, it was a wee tap in at the end, but I mean, I do. It'll be one of my lasting memories, actually, of, of the joy on his face to have tapped that ball in in his first main first game. I get playing against St. Mern, but I, I didn't. I didn't feel it. You know, the, these guys came on and ran the show or anything like that. Or uh, Gibson, I suppose, looked reasonably comfortable um, in, in in that game, and he, I think he probably played a bit part in the the preseason stuff, but. When 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 it you know faced with a much harder game up at Arbroath, you know I think I think that the lack of physicality really kind of showed showed up quite substantially. But you know they're they're, they're at that age though that they're you know they'll have a growing spurt, they'll get a bit more physical and whatever else. So it's you know it's a very valuable thing for us to have to you know to tap into, um, and uh, you know as you say, and I think maybe we've been maybe a little bit guilty in games that we've. You know, towards the end that we've we've been doing okay, that maybe these guys could have been blooded a bit more. And you know, the more experience they get, with little tastes of the first team, you know, the 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 better they'll become and the more confident they'll become. But no, it was it was a good night out, and they they play decent football, and they've, they've now scored seventeen goals in two games for goodness sake. So, you know, they they they, they can't be certainly not the worst team in the league by a long shot. Chitian. Uh right, we've got less than one minute left before we get cut off. Sean, we started with dads with forthright views. Uh, you're very good at finding the Ockerson articles as as they come out. So <laughs> do you think Prince's dad, presumably King Ockerson, uh, would be in good company with McCabe Senior and Jameson Senior if they're all to sit together at a game? I think so. That's definitely a combination that we've got to get on the <laughs> podcast. I think this chap should be made. We were talking about the club image and marketing themselves better. This guy should be the market manager of Airdrie Union's football club. <laughs> you know, everybody would be whipped into a frenzy. There would be three, three or four thousand folk at the games every week, just there to see every one of our players vying for international recognition. You know, the guy's a genius in there my you mind. Go. No more sorrow.